Would you like to deepen your ecological literacy? Or learn how to read the landscape? Or how to apply the concepts of ecology to your permaculture practices? Join me from September 7th to the 11th of this year at Earth Haven Eco Village near Asheville, North Carolina for an in-person hands-on workshop in ecological literacy and design. Together we'll hone the skills you need to practice permaculture in your life every day. Whether this is your first class or you've completed a permaculture design course and been practicing for years. Find out more and register today at learnfromtravel.com permaculture. The Permaculture Podcast is possible because of the support of listeners like you. Since 2010, alongside guest hosts like David Bilbrey and Karin Olson, we've interviewed people engaged in permaculture in the landscape, community, and business from all over the world. Your donation means we can bring innovative voices to the permaculture table, such as the recent conversation with the renegade economist Della Z. Duncan. Make a one-time donation using Venmo, at Permaculture Podcast, or PayPal, paypal.me slash permaculturepodcast. Or you can become a recurring donor by joining our Patreon community at patreon.com slash permaculturepodcast. On January 13th and 14th, 2022, I attended the Together We Can conference from Future Harvest. This episode shares some of what I learned there, some reflections, or ramblings if you prefer, as this relates to my experiences and practices, along with people, organizations, and ideas I recommend you connect with, or learn more about, to grow, improve, or pivot your permaculture practices. As we get into all that, I would like to thank Future Harvest for partnering with me as a media sponsor and collaborating on this episode, the conference, and my interview with Renard Turner. If you're in the Chesapeake or Mid-Atlantic region of the United States, I recommend joining Future Harvest to connect with other people knowledgeable and interested in permaculture and to meet farmers implementing regenerative agriculture. Through on-farm experiences, you can see all of this in practice and learn from farmers with decades of experience. If you're not local, it's still worth signing up for their mailing list to find out about online events and stay up to date about next year's conference and whether or not it will be offered virtually. Find out more about Future Harvest, sign up for the mailing list, and more at futureharvest.org. My attendance at the conference began with a panel discussion on farmers and the food system where the panelists spoke about how the pandemic laid bare that there was not enough resilience in the food system to accommodate all citizens. This led to the creation of the Maryland Food Resiliency Council, a statewide multi-agency collaborative to increase food resiliency across the state. In addition to the statewide Food Resiliency Council, there are also smaller ones across Maryland at various municipal levels. This conversation on food resiliency councils was largely focused on creating programs to improve and develop market sales and conditions for farmers. As permaculture practitioners, if there are FRCs in your area, get involved and raise your voice to advocate for change at that systemic level and to guide the conversation towards more sustainable, regenerative, and equitable practices. Outside of that involvement, there are some other gems hidden in the conversation that we can implement in our own lives without needing to farm. That includes creating a food system map of our community to know where people can find food, from grocery stores or farmer's markets, to food banks or little pantries 
and sharing it with others. We can also partner with mutual aid organizations to get food from farmers and gardeners into the hands of people who need it. If you'd like to find out more about FRCs, follow the link in the show notes to the Maryland Food Resiliency Council, along with the other resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes. When you fire up your browser to check that out, also search to see if there's a Food Resiliency Council in your area and how to get involved. After that session was the keynote with Renard Turner, where he expanded on the idea of New Age agrarianism. If you haven't listened to my conversation with Renard, go ahead and take the time to do so. Though I was familiar with Renard's ideas because of our interview together, when he started talking about the work of Booker T. Watley, my mind lit up. Here is an author with a set of principles that can help to determine whether or not a piece of land is the right one for anyone interested in farming or permaculture. Through Mr. Watley's Ten Commandments, you can systematically determine whether or not you'll have all the resources necessary to live the life you want to when you move on to the land. What struck me is that these aren't just applicable for having a market operation, but also to be near enough the intangibles that make the life you love enjoyable. This is important and something that I highlight here because of the impact not having those intangibles can have on our well-being. I've spoken with several people over the years who bought land, without knowing at the time, how hard it would be to not have a choir to sing with a short distance away, or for whom going to see a concert or live play would require hours of one-way travel, and wound up leaving or moving their projects to other locations as a result. I'm coming to see the opportunities available in the community we live in as, often, more important to consider than the price per acre. As I work on this episode, I'm reminded of this acutely, as this week one of the businesses that made Falls Church the place I wanted to live recently closed their local store because they couldn't find a suitable location in the area to relocate to. The building was bought by another owner and will be replaced by a Whole Foods. There's already a Whole Foods a few miles away on the other side of town, but the next complete strategist, the board game store that I fell in love with, is in New York City. But returning to Mr. Watley, he was also the originator of the community-supported agriculture model when he wrote about and promoted the idea of a clientele membership club. Mr. Watley was also an early adopter of regenerative agriculture because of his association with Robert Rodale of the Rodale Institute and New Farm. I've spoken about the influence of Robert Rodale's writing on my own work over the years and also suggest you check out the Rodale Institute for more information about that. Though Mr. Watley is no longer with us, you can read his thoughts in the book, Booker T. Watley's Handbook on How to Make $100,000 Farming 25 Acres. And you can see an abbreviated version of the Watley Plan and the Guru's, Dr. Watley, Ten Commandments in his Wikipedia article. After Renard's keynote, our lunch break included a live session to eat and learn with Chef Jonathan Bardzik, where he shared his recipe for homemade beef and broccoli and how to reverse sear a steak. As much as I enjoyed his affable presentation style and want to pick up a copy of his book, Seasons to Taste, which features a year-round approach to eating from farm to fork, Jonathan reminded me of the need to ensure we are well-skilled. I recall first encountering this idea in the context of permaculture as part of the transition town movement and reskilling. Though that term now appears to be co-opted by business and framed around preparing for a different job, at the time that meant to relearn the practical, hands-on skills which we no longer regularly need in the world. 
how to make clothing or home repairs, to fix a car or bike, or to cook a meal from fresh ingredients, or preserve those said same ingredients for later. I haven't encountered rescaling as part of the permaculture discourse in some time, but see this is vital to the lives and lifestyles we arrive at when pushing deeply into the ethics of our practice. Hyperlocal communities, networked together through communication, and valuing society over a financial-based economy. With that said, you can find Jonathan and his book at jonathanbardzik.com. After lunch was the session that grabbed my attention the most on care farming, farming for a social purpose. This is where I see our land-based practices as permaculture practitioners aligning beautifully with the people and community care side of the ethics. So what is care farming? Care farming is the therapeutic use of farming practices. Through the act of farming, we can help and heal ourselves, individuals, and our communities. Care farming's impacts are not limited to a single type of intervention for a narrow case of conditions, but can be used broadly. Some of the communities served by this model include people with mental health issues, those with drug or alcohol addictions, people on probation, individuals with intellectual disabilities, individuals with developmental disabilities, seniors, youth, and veterans. The type of care farms are also under a large umbrella. This includes those engaged in animal husbandry, animal therapy such as horse riding, flower farms, fruit or orchard production, greenhouse and nursery operations, value-added products, and vegetable farms. Implementing care farming can range from the formal, with licensed clinicians in a clinical setting, to the informal of a farmer or gardener inviting people to spend time with them on the farm or in the garden to work with plants and animals. During the presentation, I learned about several care farms in my area serving different communities. Those include Red Wiggler Community Farm in Germantown, Maryland, where people with and without disabilities come together to work, learn, and grow healthy food. Fields for Valor Farms in Brandywine, Maryland, was founded by a veteran to help veteran families. Not only do Pete and the team provide vocational farming education, which includes a stipend to the veteran farmers, they also provide fresh farm-raised food free of charge to veteran families. As this episode airs, I have messages out to Red Wiggler and Fields for Valor asking if they are open and available to in-person interviews and site tours and the best time of year to visit. You can find these farms at redwiggler.org and fieldsforvalor.org. If you're in North Carolina, there are three care farms to check out, each of which operate using different models and serving different communities. Those are Benevolence Farm, UNC Farm at Penny Lane, and Blossom, LLC. On a larger scale, there is also the Care Farming Network, which is working to catalog and connect the community of care farms. Find that at carefarmingnetwork.org. I spend this time on care farming not only because of the way it brings so many of our permaculture practices together, and because we know, in our bones, that being on the land, caring for it, and raising plants and animals are good for us. More and more, there's research confirming this to be true. This is also personal for me because I have veterans among my friends and family, including those who saw combat, and who came home from their time in the military with PTSD, in addition to the scars we can see. One of them has shared with me the way that having a small homestead and the act of farming have helped them find a way to feel grounded, return to their life as a civilian, 
and be a better parent and partner for it. Rounding out my afternoon and closing out my first day at the conference, I attended a farmer to farmer session on ag business, nonprofit, and government professionals, and then another chat on care farming. In those sessions, I got to know more people working on topics of interest to the permaculture community with whom I'd like to build deeper relationships and potentially include on the show at some point. As with any conference, attending all the sessions one would like is often impossible because of how things are scheduled. For in-person events, you may only be able to attend on certain days. With virtual conferences, you may have technical difficulties, as I did on the second day. Thankfully, one advantage of this being online is that all of the public sessions were recorded and are being reposted as they are processed. I'm revisiting those as they become available. One of those was the closing keynote, Growing into the Future, with the team of geologist David Montgomery and biologist Anne Beakley, where they shared their research on the degradation of soil and agricultural capacity, the nearly universal principles of how to restore soil, and that we can do so in human lifetimes, and how human health and well-being are tied directly to the soil beneath us. They took us on the arc of their books in the presentation, from one of pessimism because of the damage to the soil, beginning with the axe and deforestation and further accelerated by the tool which followed, the plow. That we're losing agricultural productivity at a rate of 0.3% per year, and topsoil at a rate of 1 inch every 20 years, while only regenerating that same soil at 1 inch every 1,000 or more. However, David and Anne ended on a note of optimism. As many permaculture practitioners know, we can restore soil quickly and stave off further devastation. We can do so through fairly basic practices. To stop disturbing the soil by choosing no-till options, to not leave bare soil by using cover crops, and by having a diverse crop rotation. As we do so, this increases not only the soil fertility, but also the microbial and fungal life of the soil, which in turn increases the bioavailability of nutrients to plants, leading to more nutrient-dense foods for ourselves and any animals that we keep. If you're an educator or advocate looking for the facts and figures to bolster your outreach, look for David and Anne's forthcoming book, What Your Food Ate, which, from their description, consolidates everything they've learned on soil, regenerative agriculture, food, and nutrition over the last 20 years. If you'd like to dig deeper, then read their earlier titles, starting with Dirt, The Erosion of Civilizations, then The Hidden Half of Nature, The Microbial Roots of Life and Health, and finish your tour with Growing a Revolution, Bringing Our Soil Back to Life. You can find Anne, David, and their writings at digtogrow.com. That's dig, the number two, grow.com. After this episode, if you have any resources you'd like to share with me, or I can help connect you to any of the people, places, or organizations featured in this episode, get in touch. Email show at thepermaculturepodcast.com, or you can call, text, or WhatsApp, plus one, seven one seven eight two seven six two six six. Until the next time, spend each day learning the skills and practicing the knowledge that allow you to live a life you love while taking care of Earth, yourself, and each other.